0: And welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today's guest is such a wonderful spirit. I am so excited to have a conversation with this amazing, amazing leader in our industry. Dr. Ananta Singh is the Senior Executive Director of Experient Developers. Dr. Ananta, I am so happy to see you again. Welcome to the show.
1: Michael, the pleasure is all mine, and my best wishes to all your viewers from New Delhi to New York, straight from the heart.
0: Oh, my God, I love that. That just became the title of our podcast, From New Delhi to New York, Straight from the Heart. (laughs) Now, it has been, oh, my God, it's probably been a year since we've last spoken, uh, but my goodness, I am so excited to delve into this conversation into your history, you have over three decades of premier real estate experience. But for the sake of our global audience that may not know your wonderful accomplishments, can you just, like very briefly, just tell us a little bit about how you got started in real estate.
1: Oh, how I got started? Yeah. It was in June, it was in June 91, Michael. That's about 30 years back. And at that time, women in real estate were almost like camels in Alaska or of the peasant. So that's how it was. And uh, yes, but um, what attracted me was I-, I was young, I was 21, and armed with a gold medal in marketing, stars in my eyes, and very ambitious. And I said, um, if I have to do marketing, I love meeting people, let me pick up the most expensive and most, uh, you know, intensive, uh, you know, and capital intensive purchase for everybody. And I said, what is it um, that is the most expensive? And it's always real reality, as you know, you know, That's right. so real estate is right up there. So I said, okay, so I want to do real estate. And okay, if I want to do real estate, where do I go? And at that time, the most professional organization and one of the largest at that time and uh, most upcoming organization was um, DLF. And they had the prettiest office, um, you know, like your Manhattan <laughs> buildings. <laughs> so I said, Always okay, that gives, A <laughs> 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 that gives bragging rights in front of college friends. Also, I worked there, you know. So, so British Airways, Nestle, and of course, DLF. There you go. <laughs> the so I said, yeah, so that was my reason for joining real estate at that time. And once you join, you can never leave real estate. Uh, that you, is it's, it's total something total. which just gets drunk. It's so beautiful, yeah.
0: Now you alluded to something, and it was really in. You've held senior leadership positions in some of the most. Pres- real estate development companies in the world. And you alluded to something that it was you as a female leader in the industry. It's an industry that's really dominated by men, especially in the area in which you excel. So tell me a little bit about that journey, because what you have led in that regard has been extraordinary.
1: Thank you so much. So, um, Michael, actually... Initially, you know, initially when you start out, uh, maybe there may be some kind of um, gender bias or there may be something going on in the uh, minds of uh, a few men, not all, but a few men, uh, because they're so used to seeing women in, you know, uh, either glamorous roles or back-end roles you know so it's uh, if it's reception or uh, gre or uh, you know customer services or uh, telesales it's one thing but when you're in a when you're a thinking intelligent mind arguing talking uh, it takes a while for people to accept that uh, that's one part of it the second part of it is that uh, like you said the part of the world that i come from yeah. in india and yeah. we, we, we belong to a community which is called Rajputs. They are warriors. So yeah. it's a patriarchal society. And uh, the men are very um, open as far as education is concerned, but they are very protective and possessive about their women, you know? So it's, it comes out of care. Uh, But that sheltering instinct is very strong, um, you know, and um, uh, fathers have it, grandfathers have it, you know, they they want you to be happy, but at the same time, they're very concerned uh, about everything that you do. So that's another part that you have to deal with. But once you are there in your organization, believe me, it doesn't take more than five minutes to make sure that nobody's looking at you as though you were a man or a woman. Ultimately, it is your focus, it's your knowledge, it's your professionalism, your integrity. Uh, You know, it's it's your personality, the decisions that you take. And in the end, I realized that, you know, everybody respects you and everybody supports you. And in real estate, it's not as though I've been competing with women. There were hardly any women. I wasn't competing with women. I was competing with men. So, if you're competing with uh, men, um, then you have to actually see what is it that is missing in you. uh, If you want to be in the race and if you want to be on top of the race. So, you know, when I I started working at 21, so I had to make sure that when it came to qualifications, I should not be equal. I should be one step ahead. So, I, I... My master's in uh, management, education, literature, music, and then my PhD, all of that along with my job, because I was so fond of my job, I didn't want to leave that. But I was so fond of winning and growing also, so I didn't want to leave that. So that (laughs) meant extra work. Of course. uh, On weekends. And um, when you want everything, uh, you know, you, you want to be a mother, you want to be a good mother. So then that is like a full-time responsibility also. So you have to balance things out. Socializing took a little backseat for a certain period, um, you know, and even in the industry, they used to say, they said when we are walking in is when she's walking out.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs>
1: exactly. Whether <laughs> it was a functions function, so it was events or whatever, you know. So they said, you know, when the party start, just starts, um, you know, the, um, and she's she's already, it's time for her to go. You know, they said, you've <laughs> lost your slipper or something. And I said, no.
0: <laughs> no, it is so so amazing what you have no, it accomplished. To be, it I to be. call myself the smartest man because I look at my team and 90% of my team are women, as you know. And, oh, yeah. Um, They're all the, the, and it's, it's extraordinary really that, that sort of like team, but it's also extraordinary what you've done because now that you arrived, you made sure that that mentorship and that door was open for other leaders that you helped inspire. Tell me a little bit about that journey because you really did pave an amazing path for so many other people that came behind you.
1: Yes. So, uh, Michael, it is really very, very dear to my heart. You know, I I just feel that uh, somewhere I was privileged because, uh, you know, probably, um, you know, my grandfathers, my, you know, One great grandfather also, one was a doctor, another one was an engineer, then my uh, grandfather, engineer, and uh, a cop, and my father from the army. So maybe I was privileged in the sense that, um, you know, I could do whatever I wanted in my life. Uh, But when I saw around me, I realized that there were two things which were kind of holding back uh, women from coming in front. One was a certain prejudice uh, towards the industry itself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and the second was because they, they just felt that probably this is too tough for somebody to, you know, kind of get into. It's, it's a very male-dominated uh, industry. And the second part was the qualification or the you know, EQ or the, you know, things like that to deal with uh, that thing. So there, that was two things. And both, I felt, could be fixed uh, just with talking, and yeah. helping and reaching out. And so wherever I got an opportunity, I um, really enjoyed doing that. So currently, the the Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs in India, under the yeah. government of India, uh, they have started this um, called Neredko Mahi. Uh, Mahi means the earth. It's also the name of a river in Western India. And so they've started this women's wing um, in real estate. Oh, so wow. this To help entrepreneurs, help women achieve their dreams. And they've made me the first founder president elect of that. So I'm really loving this. Yeah. So, um, you know, so this is something which, and it's across, it gives me an opportunity to kind of help women all over India. So, you know, we've um, got a lovely team which is working on it and helping everybody. So this is like something very uh, nice and close to my heart. There's another institution called She Connects. Which is not just um, limited to real estate. Uh, It's um, you could you could be fond of. You could be a designer. You could be an interior decorator. You could be a great chef. You could be anything. And um, you know, I help those women and kind of establishing their business. The three thousand of them and uh, encouraging them, motivating them. Uh, talking to them, um, you know, ironing things out for them so that they can just work from home and do so much, whether it's supplying meals or cakes or whatever is your passion, you know, or embroidery, whatever. So that's She Connects. And uh, the third thing that, um, uh, you know, during the pandemic kept me very excited and busy is something called Indie Village. Uh, there are these rural um, uh, executives uh, who are in the remotest parts of India. Uh, they have the knowledge. They're very good in STEM, you know, science, maths and everything. But they, they the soft skills, the language skills, those are lacking. So I mentor them uh, on uh, Saturdays, one hour, uh, through this Indie Village thing. And those rural executives then can stand up next to the urban population and they don't get left back in the race just because they are, let's say, awkward, you know, uh, for uh, the urban population. So that's another thing that I'm doing. And I love all of that, but I still feel I could do much more.
0: Um, when? Yeah. When? <laughs> it's like, it's amazing. It's like your, 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 your efforts are extraordinary. You know, one of the things that I love about you so much is that even you that's achieved so much in your career, you always make sure that you're giving back. And we're going to touch upon that a little bit later in, in this Thank interview. You. But I also want to talk to you about marketing. Right, you have a key in marketing, and you know when we talk about marketing, especially in our industry, I think it is one of the most homogenized terms. When people just sort of say, "Yeah, marketing is so important," what is marketing, right? And when we start thinking about that, I would love because of the or because of the audience that's very much in different aspects of the real estate industry. What would you say would be the most important aspect? in marketing for someone?
1: Yeah, Michael, I think you, you, your intuitive abilities really amaze me sometimes. you know, <laughs> so This is like one question which has two things into it and the two match so perfectly for me. Uh, that's the answer. So I did my PhD in a topic which was adaptability and intelligent growth in fluctuating cyclic markets. So it was like a septidal analysis And, uh, you know, there were comparisons between urban and rural real estate, micro markets and, uh, you know, rural markets and a hell of a lot of things. But the gist of it was VUCA, which is volatility, you know, uh, complexity and adaptability and, you know, all of that. So the whole thing, the whole crux is that if you have understood the marketplace Okay, uh, marketing wins over volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. It is corporate warfare. Ultimately, it is corporate warfare, no matter how big or small your business is. And if you are on top of these three, you know, uh, VUCA, it's an American term. It's a... It's a yeah. 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 I love this. <laughs> I love that you, you did your PhD on
0: this. This is amazing. <laughs>
1: Come on! <laughs> you know, it, the the minute you've mastered these four alphabets, uh, you are a king. You are a winner, and you will not let anyone stand next to you. So this is where it uh, you know kind of boils down. And um, I think um, uh, you know even the PhD could not do, do justice to it because it's such a deep subject. Uh, yeah. uh, ultimately, you know? and I'm learning every day. Um, and marketing is evolving all the time, you know. Even oh God, last yes. year, last year I enrolled in this executive education program. Again, I told you I learn a lot from the West, so I enrolled in this, um, you know, executive education program at MIT on uh, digital um, marketing and social media analytics. And uh, I was like, my God, I knew so little, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I find it very hard to believe, actually. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, you know, it's it's like I had to stay up all night and everybody used to be bright and smiling and I had my coffee mug and the professor used to tell me, where are you? I said, in India. Check the map. <laughs> Check the time.
0: Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. That's precious. That's my awesome.
1: goodness. I said, for me, it is a pajama party. <laughs> Right and alert lot like <laughs> that's right, that's
0: right. Oh my God! I well, this really you know, I'm that. starting my day and you're ending yours right now. So
1: this is yes. like you know, check the map. Indeed, it's, it's different times. Yes. Time. <laughs> yes. So, so you have to keep learning all the time. Absolutely. You know, otherwise you're not earning. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Learning is earning, isn't it? Yes. Yes, I love that. And okay. So now I love, and I also love the statement, marketing always wins. And that is so amazing. But now let's talk about the fact that you have had senior leadership positions at some of the most prestigious developers in the world. And so when you start looking at this and bringing on this conversation that we're just having with marketing, how would you look at the value proposition in each of these companies, and then the differentiation of that value proposition in the marketplace. How do you actually look at that dilemma and say, DLF is different from Damak, it's different from Amir? How do you actually differentiate that value prop in the marketplace?
1: Right. So, uh, so Michael, as the executive director for DLF, I had uh, about 68 products spread across 20 Indian cities and in India yeah you know India so every 100 kilometers the food the clothes the language everything changes and um, you know so it's like many countries into one big country the cultures change everything changes and so also the way people live the way people work um, you know all of that so the as far as the value proposition is concerned some places people like low-rise sprawling lawns other places people like congregating spaces small apartments easy to maintain Uh, other places they want farmhouses to live in Uh, similarly the shopping centers also and the workplaces also so some places I was selling commercial offices some places we were leasing it and same with the shopping centers also you know somewhere you needed anchor stores and more of food courts uh, things, other places you just needed luxury stores and, you know, okay, we only wanted LV and Dior. <laughs> you know, uh, so, and, so, it was so different everywhere and therefore the value proposition was different, the TT was different and, of course, at that time, unfortunately, we didn't have you and EXP, otherwise my job would have been very easy. <laughs> I just had to outsource an Act Boss, but I couldn't do that. I had to go and dirty my hands in the mud and yes. work, work, work. work. <laughs> <laughs> then, as far as EMAR and DMAIC are concerned, uh, Michael, it kind of opened up my mind to international business development sure. because I was at the right place at the right time uh, when I was the CE for EMAR. And, uh, you know, EMAR was in India, so we were selling uh The brand EMAR MGF here in India, in some of the top cities, and also the Indians who wanted to buy there, we were referring them also from here to there. So it was a cross-selling thing which was happening. And in the process, we were learning the most. um, And of course, international uh, best practices. And you know, uh, the world has not changed or developed at that speed, the speed at which it has developed in Dubai or in Abu Dhabi. UAE, the way it has happened there, it has not happened anywhere. So being part of that transformational journey um, taught me a lot, actually, and it helped me a lot. And same with uh, the damac also. And uh, in fact, there are areas in India from where the Mac um, had a steady inflow of uh, buyers, uh, you know, pandemic, oh, no election season, no election season. People just love having a second home there. And then it's two to three hours flight uh, from India. Yes. So that also kind of changes things. You know, it's like you have your own holiday home. And it, yeah. 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 So it was, it was it really a lot was of fun. Lot that of fun. Audience. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So right from somebody looking at affordable housing to someone looking at Uber luxury, um, you know, each one had a different flavor and then different handling and different representation. The pitch was different altogether. So it's understanding
0: so who the audience is and then how yes. you speak to it.
1: Yes, absolutely. I As love in that. that. game, you are a master of that game, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I could learn a little bit from you. Oh, I don't know
0: about that. I think it's quite the opposite. But <laughs> I've never done a TED Talk, but we're coming to that in a second. <laughs> so tell me, um, what would be your three pieces of advice that you would give somebody entering our industry today?
1: Three pieces of advice to yeah. somebody entering this, okay? Three of them. Uh, one is, um, if you are really passionate about real estate, uh, there's nothing like me time. There's no me time. It's all hardworking honeybee time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: because, yeah, the customer is king. You know, somebody is coming with dreams when they are available, at their convenience, at the right time, right mood, family decisions, friends are involved, influencers are involved. So, you know, if you if you really want to be in real estate, then there's nothing like a me time. It's uh, You have to love what you do with that kind of passion, you know, only then. And the second thing is... Um, if you don't have uh, you know the knowledge uh, the market knowledge not just yours but competitors and everybody and you should also know if you're if you're a channel partner or an agent you must know what the other agent is doing also right. so competitive right. intelligence and knowledge uh, and that efficiency is really required you know so so you it's almost like that israeli dome <laughs> 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 yes yes you know it's yeah you have to be very very competitive and sharpen the axe otherwise you can't do anything with the tree yes so yeah so that's more than three I love that. This is great. All right, now I want to go back
0: to the 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 TED Talk that you did. You did a TEDx talk, and um, it was it was extraordinary. Um, It was, um, you know, you and I have spoken about that many times on that TEDx talk. And um, in fact, some of the wonderful things that you said, I actually used against you. Remember when I was trying to convince you of something? (laughs) Tell me about that amazing experience of doing a TED Talk.
1: Uh, Michael when I did the TED talk I really didn't know um, you know how big or important or prestigious a TED talk is <laughs> really wow wow was, okay I was, I was in a very high pressure job I yeah. was running from one city to the other uh, doing a hell of a lot of crisis management at that time uh, my mother was very unwell at that time and she was undergoing treatment so I was a little disturbed with that as well and uh, then, uh, you know, my, my son told me, he said, you know, um, so what have you decided about that invitation? Uh, you, you know, you have to reply to them in the next 24 hours. So I said, I'm not sure. And all He says, you are very sure you're going for it. So what's the topic? So I said, um, you know, it was on leadership and uh, yeah. edge of a precipice. Um, so I, I said, I haven't even thought about it. He says, you don't have to edge of a precipice. You have to go for it. <laughs> You only have to talk for 18 minutes speak from the heart I was like all right and another thing which was holding me back was it was out of town so I had to drive out of town um, you know into Rajasthan Uh, it was in a ancient city called Nimrana um, you know in Rajasthan and so it was a little kind of you know uh, out of the way it wasn't uh, like okay um, fine and then there was uh, I can never say no to one man in my life and that's my son (laughs) No. Man, baby, whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's 24. He's not a baby.
1: <laughs> he's 24. Yeah. And he's, he's right there in New York. Yeah. He's, he says, I'm an I'm a Indian um, a man with an American soul. So I'm saying, okay, fine. So he's been there for seven years now. So when he said, you have to say yes, I said yes. So I went okay. for it. And it was such a beautiful and awesome experience. I must share that because those 18 minutes... <clears throat> Really, on the way, I thought about it when I was uh, driving from uh, Delhi to Nimrana, uh, and Edge of a Precipice leadership. And I just spoke from my heart, and I just spoke about my experiences. But I can promise you, my next TED Talk will be better than the last one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this that, time, I know that what that it's last about. Very
0: inspiring. So
1: <laughs> now I know. I, now I know how important it is. At that time, oh my I my you are yeah.
0: really funny. Um, I want to talk about (laughs) something that is really your heart, which is amazing. And I know you're very humble. So I actually am the one that's asking you this question. Your philanthropic efforts are just amazing. So about just really giving a platform for those really efforts that you are doing so that others can find out about Deep Foundation, I know, and Vision Spring, and other things yeah. that you're working on. Would you just share with the audience a little bit about that, please?
1: Yes, certainly, Michael. Uh, so, Michael, Deep Foundation is something that a friend of mine started out, uh, Sujata and Sandeep Suri, both of them started that out. And uh, what really touched me is that, you know, um, for as little as $10, a family of five for 10 days can have food in the slums, you know, there they are, they are kids who are starving out there and <clears throat> they give them a little rice lentil and some pickle and maybe curd and everything. But for as little as $10, a family of five for 10 days doesn't have to worry about their food. And during the pandemic, you know, um, uh, it was so important to help these people out because they lost their jobs and, and the children didn't know what to do, where to go when the parents have nothing to do. And it was very sad. And there was so much domestic violence going on and all. And my friends were doing all this. So I try to help them as and when in whichever way I can. So that's about deep foundation. Uh, another area which really touches my life is something called Caregivers Foundation. Um, that is something which a gentleman called Mr. Ravi Kalra started out. He, he hasn't been to college. He hasn't studied very much. But he's created such a big organization the, the elderly people who are abandoned uh, by their families because they are too old or too sick or too helpless he takes them into this home and he cares for them and he looks after them and he and and some of them are educated he gives them work in the foundation itself so that they have meaningful lives and uh, they can live with dignity yes. uh, that's another area which is very close to my heart then there is something called Goonj, uh, which is like your Salvation Army kind of a thing. But it started by a, a, a gentleman who left a very good corporate job and, and they kind of take in donations and donations as in material donations, a lot of that. And then they refurbish it, dry clean it, clean it, wash it and help out people who've been affected by cyclones or earthquakes or things like that. And they rush those things to them and they help them with that. And last, of course, uh, Dr. Jordan Casalor. I met him here in New Delhi, and uh, we were in a conference at the Taj Mahal Hotel in Delhi uh, many years back. And I was so touched by the story he said about a little boy in Mexico his father thought he was blind that boy but the minute uh doctor uh um, you know uh, Jordan put uh, glasses on his eyes just random glasses he could read he could see he could his world changed and that expression on the boy's face and the father's face like some magic has happened and uh, you know that Triggered Vision Spring that, okay, fine, I'll do my business in New York City and I'll have those, uh, you know, the devil wears Prada and everything for those who want to wear it. But for those, uh, you know, who are so helpless and he and his team are doing such fantastic work all over India, uh, I haven't been able to help them much uh, because that all that needs time. Um, but I do try to promote as much as I can. And like you said, you know, tell people about it so that others who are in a position to help can help uh, uh, them out. These are four organizations who I feel, you know, uh, sometimes even we as donors aren't sure um, where should we donate, is it going to be misused, is it, you know, what is going to happen? But where you are so sure, uh, you know, there I think one should do it. In fact, Deep Foundation, my son uh, uh, told me about this because he used to go and read stories to these little slum kids. Um, you know, uh, when he was here in school, and um, and then the way they they would the children are children. They are so innocent, helpless, and affectionate, and all yeah. they need is attention and uh, love, and and they can sense that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so these are the four organizations which are very close to my heart. I am very ashamed of myself that I don't do enough. I need to do a lot more. And, you know, after hearing Dr. Jordan's story, I actually started finding all, you know, all the hoarding of all these clothes and luxury shoes and bags and everything. I first had finding it so repulsive because it suddenly made you feel that, you know, uh, this could have been put to better use. You know what I mean? You you feel guilty
0: no, you, don't, uh, you it, know, it's, it's such it's a huge the,
1: gap between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. It's just so unfair, um, yeah. you know, but, yeah, but there comes a time when you realize and it's never too late. And That's so, right. Yeah.
0: That's right. Well, we're also going to put all of those organizations and their websites on my website when this airs so that people thank can you. find out more about it. No, thank you for thank what you're doing. Um, so I- tell me, Ananta, what is the greatest lesson you've learned thus far.
1: Okay, so you are talking to a lady in New Delhi, India, and a lot of people in your country don't know where India is and where New Delhi is, though we all know where New York is. So I'm going to speak in Sanskrit, and then I'll translate it for you. Great. Go <laughs> <Come> on, then. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the lesson um, is that um, uh, it's... Uh, which means that while you must have your eyes on the goal, uh, but you must be holding, uh, you know, you should be focusing on the action required, not the goal. So you know the goal, but you don't focus on the goal. You focus on the action. What is the strategy? Uh, you will reach your goal eventually, or you may not reach your goal eventually, but... If your strategy is right, the action. So, focus always on the action. So, okay, fine. I want to be a CEO. So, to be a CEO, what is the action that you need to do? Uh, What what personality traits do you need for that? What are your rough edges? What qualification? What education? What kind of a team? How are you going to build it? How are you going to be better than uh, uh, the person already in the chair? Or whatever it takes? I don't know. Or are you thinking of moving out somewhere and then being that? So, action focus on the action know the goal but focus on the action if you focus too much on the goal you are always unhappy if you're focusing on the action you're always motivated and excited that's what i've learned
0: i love that i love that it's always about having the plan right because without the map how do you know when you arrive
1: yeah yeah and you are one person who has followed this gita updesh it's called gita updesh this is what lord krishna told to arjun on the battlefield of mm-hmm. mahabharat mahabharata is an epic uh, you know yes. and uh, this is what he said and you have achieved it i remember meeting you last year You've broken all your records, all your targets. Pandemic didn't hold you back, Michael. I'm amazed. I see your posts on LinkedIn and I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I better pull up my socks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please, the the bar that you've set, I could never get to. So, but thank you for the kind words. <laughs> I have one final question for you. And I love asking my guests this, and I especially you. And in your book of life. What is this mm-hmm. chapter called?
1: Oh my God! I have the handsome Michael sitting in front of me and asking me <laughs> chapter. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, Michael, I would call it uh, Metanoia. Uh, it's a complete change, a transformational change uh, in my life. I think which has happened in the last two years. Really, uh, <clears throat> you know, yeah. One was, of course, the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, you know, the second was, uh, you know, um, I kind of uh, lost my mother, uh, uh, you know, to cancer. Yes. Uh, so a lot of things kind of changed in my life. And uh, um, so spirit, mind and body, uh, all three, uh, it's actually been metanoia for me. Uh, it's a completely new me. So the first 50 years of my life and the subsequent two years of my life, it's, it's the second the next two years have been a complete churn in the ocean, you know. Um, there's, we, we, we have this thing, um, you know, when the Indian Ocean, uh, Himalayas, and mountains were put into the Indian Ocean to churn the ocean because they said at the bottom of the ocean is nectar, which makes you immortal. But when they were churning the ocean, what came out and kept coming out was first poison, 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 poison. And Mm -hmm. we have a God who's like all blue and black. He had to be called from the Himalayas to take it all in, otherwise humanity would have been wiped out. So life has been a little bit uh, like that because the churning of the ocean was going on, a lot of changes um, in my immediate environment. And also, uh, you know, internally they impact you and affect you. And then to stay above all of that and still be yourself, I think uh, that's what it is for me.
0: I love that. Yeah, and you are such an incredible inspiration, Ananta. You are such an amazing human being. I love. Every single time that I get to speak with you, I always have a full heart and a great smile because that's what you bring. Your spirit is infectious. What you have accomplished is amazing. You are such a leader and a mentor in our industry. And I am so thankful for you for this conversation. This has been lovely.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for inviting me here. I wish you all the best. Have a beautiful vacation.
0: And God bless you always. Thank you so so much. (laughs) And thank you all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez.